0: Heavenly Father, we just um, just commit this time to you, Lord. Just fall afresh on us today. I thank you, dear Lord, in advance for what you're about to do. Touch us, dear Lord, as only you can. Speak to us as only you can, Lord. And uh, we just, uh, as we come around the word this morning, we just commit this time to you. In your precious name, amen. Okay. The topic this morning really I want to um, share with you is some struggle with this really quite a lot. Others have moved on. You've got past that. But I think it's really important as a church as we look at being all in to look at an area that where people do struggle and just to bring some clarity in that so that they can move on. So I want to start uh, by reading a well-known story from John. And all the scriptures should come up there behind me as we read together. At dawn... Jesus appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered round him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? Now, we have no idea really of this lady's age, or whether she was married or not. She was possibly only arrested the night before and probably treated the same way Jesus was, quite harshly and quite brutally. The Pharisees and the teachers were about to do their religious duty, but thought they would have a bit of fun in the meantime, displaying this condemned woman, a human being, as a trophy. Sorry, sorry. It's, it's sad, but she only had a few minutes to live. Do we ever think that? They were on the way to stone her, and she had a few minutes to live. Can we imagine what she was feeling? The scripture goes on to say, But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away, one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said, then neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus had come to bring a new order. As it says in Matthew and Luke, Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To release the oppressed. Jesus had come to release the oppressed. This story was a foretaste of what was to come. This woman was to be put to death for her sin as the law required, but the new order was forgiveness of sin through Christ. Jesus was to take our punishment for our sin, as it says in Galatians. Jesus saved us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, as it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Now, ever since Adam and Eve were put out of the garden, of Eden, sin has been a very big issue. Not that God keeps reminding us of sin. It's the devil, the accuser, that tries to remind us over and over again. But seeing things through God's perspective helps us to free us from the bondages of sin. We see in Job and Zechariah, the devil actually appears before God to accuse us. He goes in and tells tales on us. And we see here from Zechariah, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Is not the man a burning stick snatched from the fire? That's a picture of you and me. Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, see, I have taken away your sin, and I will put put fine garments on you. That is you today. The Lord wants to put fine garments on you. As filthy as you may have been, as filthy as you um, think you may be, God wants to put fine garments on you and replace your dirty clothes. Who is good? In the Gospels, we see a man fall on his knees asking Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, Sorry, guys, with the anointing up here, I'm just struggling a bit. No one is good except God alone. No one is good except God alone. Now, I don't have to tell anyone here that we all fall short, that we all make mistakes, some big and some not so big. But in Isaiah, Isaiah, we see a picture of what God wants to do for us through Christ. Go through Come now, let us reason together," says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. There's a, there's a, you know, that's a huge comparison: red like crimson and white as wool. And in Psalms, we read, "As far as as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him." As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. If you think about that picture, going, traveling, let's say, in a plane and going east, and you just keep going east, you would never catch up to the east. And if you get west and you decide to go west, you will never catch up to the west. All right? That's how far your sins have been removed for you. If you were to travel north, you would reach north. And then you would travel down and reach south. But you can never catch up to your sins. I like the the story of, um, you know, standing on a small bridge as a river goes past. When you confess your sin, those sins go in the river, and you could see them wash away, and you'll never see them again. That's what God wants to do. God wants to separate us from our sin. But we have a part to play, as John tells us in his first letter. If we confess our sins, he said, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. And then he says, and purify us from all unrighteousness. Again, it's another step that God wants to take. Forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. In the Lord's Prayer, we pray, hopefully, with sincerity, Lord, forgive us our trespasses or sins, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And Paul, writing to Timothy, takes it a step further. He says, The Lord knows those who are His, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter, wickedness, will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. So as Christians, we must turn away from the things that just don't please God. You know, we must make, play that part. That must be our part. We all want to be instruments for special purposes. But too often, thoughts of guilt, shame, and condemnation hold us back. And even though we confess our sin, the enemy keeps digging up the dead and buried stuff, wanting us to feel unworthy. Little thoughts that drip in our minds, like, who would want you? If only those people at church knew. Maybe they do know. Why even bother going to church? They will never accept you. These are all lies of the enemy. And I remember a young Christian, when I I rang her up to say that I hadn't seen her in church, she said, no, I I just feel so bad. She said, I actually drive to church, but when I get there, I just feel condemned and I... I don't even get out of the car and I drive home again. You know, she struggled with that part where she didn't, we had to discuss how God had taken her sin away. She didn't need to feel that way at all. All thoughts designed to take your mind off the redeeming work of Christ are from the devil. All thoughts, the father of lies. Having asked for forgiveness, the Bible says, and this is a verse that you need to know off by heart, in John 8, 36, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Anybody know that one? If the, say it out loud. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. The Apostle Paul tells us how bad he used to be. He tells us You know, he's not ashamed to tell us because he knows the redeeming price of Christ. He said, Lord, these men know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. He told Timothy, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But then he writes this wonderful passage, and again, you know this off by heart. Most of you know. It says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let me hear you. There is now no condemnation. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Not some, not a little No condemnation. The word condemnation in the original Greek means condemning sentence. Paul tells us we have no condemning sentence because the price or penalty our sins deserved has been paid in full. Amen? Anybody agree with that? It's been paid in full. The Holy Spirit may gently ask us to put things right. That's just a natural process. You know, he might ask you to repay or return something that you've stolen. He might ask you to apologize to someone or maybe your parents. The Bible says, honor your father and mother so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And I've mentioned before that, you know, I knew that as a teenager, I wasn't the best with my parents, (laughs) But as, as I knew, learned that verse, I thought, I've got to go back and ask for forgiveness. And Dad was very gracious to me, and he said, I can't think of anything. But anyway, I had to do business with my parents to put that right, so that it may go well with me, and I may live a long life on the earth. But I think it was the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And also, we must, he might ask us sometimes to come and just forgive somebody. Forgive somebody that's hurt you badly. You might even go to them and say, look, I choose to forgive you. I remember my mom who was felt that she was abused as a as a child, you know, and she had a stepfather. But she went back as, as, a, as, as a Christian. She went back and said, you know, I choose to forgive. And there was reconciliation there. And her father and her, her stepfather and her mother actually ended up coming to the Lord, you know. Sometimes I you, you know, have that picture of the, there's a bird in a cage, and a bird in a cage, and we're the songbird in the cage. And, and when we hand on, hang on to some of these things, we hold the other person captive as well. But when we release ourselves and understand this, we actually release them as well in the spiritual realm. And sometimes we just need to, by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, own up to a lie that we've been living and put things right. There's a difference between the Holy Spirit's conviction that we need to do something and the condemning voice of the devil. A big difference. Jesus said, My burden is light, my yoke is easy. And that's the yoke we need. That's the only yoke we should carry, and it's the one that Christ wants to carry with us. We can't function properly. We can't be all in in our family and in our church by carrying guilt, shame, and condemnation. It's an unnecessary weight, and only the devil wants us to carry it anyway. The Book of Romans, a letter Paul wrote to the to the church in Rome. It's it's interesting. You probably you know that, but. A, It's the book of Romans, okay, he's writing to the Romans, he's actually writing to the church in Rome at that time. He argues the case that the whole human race, both Jew and Gentile, are under the power of sin, and that people can only put things right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I've found over the years that some versions of the Bible seem to be a little bit more complicated than others. And that's just my level of understanding. But to understand the Bible, sometimes I've got to go to the simpler versions to to get through a passage. And I just want to go through a passage now um, with you to see that here Paul is just hammering something home. But we need to get it in our spirit. And the purpose he's hammering it home is because we need it hammered home. So if we look at Romans 3 here, it says, But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. And that's not talking about, you know, stealing and and driving fast and all that sort of stuff. He was talking about the Old Testament law that was given to the Israelites in, um, in the desert. He says, As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. So God frees us from that penalty. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on what? Faith. So this is the point. It's believing what God did on the cross. It's believing that he paid the price for our, our sins, and then it's stepping into that freedom that he has already gained. It's not something that we have to work at at all. It's not something that we've, you know, we're punished about. We have it through faith, just believing in Christ and what he did. Isn't that good? Isn't that good news? Who believes in Jesus Christ here? Give me a wave. Give me a wave if you believe in Jesus Christ. Who believe he paid the price for your sins? You believe that? Okay. And You can be set free from guilt, shame, and condemnation. You can be set free from what the enemy has placed upon you. It's that simple. It's not based on anything else but faith. God sees us through his son. So he sees us as what? Pure and blameless. So God's looking at us through his son, and he sees us as pure and blameless. Isn't that good news? Now, we know we sin. That's why we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and that's why we ask the Lord to forgive us. But God sees us. It says in Ephesians 2, Um, 1, it says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. When the prophet Balaam looked down on the Israelite camp with the intention of cursing it for the opposing king Balak, what did he see? Just put that picture up for me, Teo. What did he see? A cross. Just keep that up for a sec. The Israelite tribes set their tents to God's instructions in the shape of a cross. Coincidence? Anybody? It was. It's not. God saw the Israelites through the cross, even way back then. It was his intention. It was his plan. And it was a picture of things to come. And now that picture has been fulfilled as God sees us through the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? So when we say... You know the God sees us through the cross. You don't imagine that. So I wanted a picture. You may imagine, you know, the cross of the tents now, and you're, and you're thinking, God, whenever the Israelites camped, He saw a cross. Now He saw the people too, but He saw that what was going to happen. He saw that picture, and it's a wonderful picture. It is finished, as Christ said. It is the finished work of the cross. Forgiveness of sin should never be just ho-hum, a trifling matter, no big deal. It is the greatest gift ever. Without it, we'd be eternally lost. Jesus came to earth to reconcile man to God, to bring mankind, his creation, back to him, to set us free from bondages and mend broken hearts and lives. As it says in Isaiah, to bestow on them, that's us, a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They, us, will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. Let Jesus meet your needs and heal your mind and body today. Become an oak, a tree of righteousness planted in God. Allow God to display his splendor in you and through you. The outcome will amaze you. You have nothing to lose but much to gain. And what is it? It's faith. We know that we do things wrong, but we try to work towards getting better, don't we? But we put our sin right with Christ. And know that God loves us to bits and sees us through his wonderful son. You know, King David said in Psalm 32, and Paul repeats it in Romans, and it says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin." If you're noting any verse down, note that one. There's a joy, actually, in having your sins forgiven. I've never really thought about that. You know, I ask the Lord to forgive me, but I don't think about the joy that comes from that. But when you think of what could have happened if you don't ask, you know, for forgiveness of sin, you can realize there should be some joy in His saving grace and what He's done for us. And King David was so thankful that he forgave him his many sins. So I thought it'd be good uh, this morning to 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 say some prayers, to to break some curses from people's lives. And we're not gonna ask people to come forward, but we're gonna put up some prayer up there where we can all because this is I don't know who walked in here with shame, guilt, or condemnation. But there are some that'll be know that that will be part of their lives. So we're going to say it together. I know it can be difficult sometimes to read these things, but I'm just going to ask that the Holy Spirit help you with this. And, and you can say it in your heart as you listen as well. So I'm just um, going to, uh, let's just stand up here as we do this. Let's bring up that first slide, um, Tao. First prayer. just give you a few minutes to uh, just uh, read that through, Um, and then we're just going to all say it together. I just want you to be comfortable with it, so I'm not going to surprise you. At the end of this, we're going to leave stuff on the floor. We're going to leave stuff behind. We're going to walk out of here free. Okay. Let's, let's pray. Heaven, well, let's do this together. Heavenly Father, I repent of doubting your love for me. I also repent of not believing that you have really forgiven me and that the blood of Jesus has cleansed me from all of the sin, all of the guilt, and all of the shame of my past. I repent of listening and agreeing with the voice of the accuser telling me that I am an evil person, that I am dirty and that I am unworthy to come and receive your love. Here today, I renounce guilt, false guilt, and shame. I renounce condemnation, self-condemnation, and all sense of unworthiness. I renounce every spirit assigned to work against me with guilt, shame, and condemnation. I renounce what they have done to keep me from becoming the person God created me to be. All right, let's go to page two. Just take a few minutes just to go have a look at that. We're just going to break some stuff. Break it. There's only one yoke that you want, and that's Jesus' yoke. As he said, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. Some of you will go out of here lighter today as we break this. Okay. Now, if you want to clap, just to, uh, in the break, I break. Clap your hands. Give the enemy a fright. Tell him you're you're getting rid of him. It'll be really great. I, I, I'd like to clap, but I'll. I've got this microphone in my hand. All right. So let's uh, where it says I break. It's in uh, highlighted there. Give give it a clap. Here we go. I break. All agreements I have made with the lying voices of guilt, shame, condemnation, and self-condemnation. I break all word curses I have spoken about myself. I break all soul ties and all generational ties that would bind me in any way to pass guilt, shame, or condemnation. I break... Every vow, covenant, or agreement, and all words that would give these spirits any power or influence in my life. All spirits of guilt, shame, and condemnation, I break your power over me in the mighty name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, I choose to open my heart to receive your unconditional love. Your grace and forgiveness and a full release from all guilt and shame in my life. And by your grace, I also choose to forgive myself in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You're released. Released. There is now no condemnation. Amen.